like I said, well, I appreciate it just because, as opposed to, I feel like with our movies, the questions are always just like, uh, what's the worst movie of like, it's always like a negative question, and the questions are always kind of like su- suggesting that this conversation is going to be about tearing movies down or like talking yeah. about things that we hate and letterbox feels like it's despite the mean reviews it feels like a place where that just doesn't happen as often yeah i it's not it's not as much of a back and forth thing you're just kind of throwing your thoughts out there like there is room like someone can comment on your review yeah but i don't know it's not like really meant for discussion necessarily yeah which i guess i was getting a little burnt out on because yeah it's just a lot of repetitive questions and suggesting the similar movies for some reason it's always like oh have you heard of dread and it's like yeah like why are you guys yeah. obsessed with with <laughs> fucking dread like there's so many action movies out there and there's so many other i mean you gotta fun. think like a lot of these users are teenagers like we never know who we're talking to a lot of them are probably teenagers who are discovering this shit for the first time yeah um, yeah which is which is fine i was considering deleting reddit on my phone today um, I don't know that I'll, like, delete my profile or whatever, but I think I'll... Which, like, why wouldn't I? Who cares? Yeah. <laughs> it's, like, all anonymous. It doesn't, ma- doesn't matter. Yeah, um, yeah. But, like, yeah, I think I'll probably delete it from my phone. I deleted Twitter from my phone, and that's been great. Uh, it, it's a little annoying anytime someone sends me something from Twitter, and I'm like, oh, I have to open the browser and, like, hope that the video plays. Yeah, uh, um... Yeah, it's weird because I like woke up from a nap and then there was news of like, oh, the Trump indictment, like, is it happening? And I was like, fuck, there's only one place I can go to yeah. get this update, up to date information. And it's that good old cesspool. Yeah. Has <laughs> it been funny today? Out. No, it, there was nothing. There okay. was no news. And so I just went back to watching the movie I was watching. If, yeah. Until like something, I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised if he you know worms his way out of it <laughs> like somehow like if like this doesn't matter negatively like this could help him this could like y- you know rile up his base in a way that like catapults him to... yeah who, who knows yeah i know like the announcement of the arrest resulted in him getting like a couple million in donations just from his supporters just yeah there you go throwing money at him it'll be very funny if he runs if they lock him up <laughs> they actually lock <laughs> Joe Biden locks up his political enemy and then uh he wins the Republican nomination from behind bars. That'll be pretty cool. Fucking another uh, yeah. Election stuff is something so far away from my mind right now. It's like I hear some of the pundits or the comedians like on the Daily Show whatever talking about it. I'm like, oh yeah, that's something I'm not even registering in my mind. And it's like not, I don't know, people are like prepared for another presidential election. It's not going to be Meatball Ron. Like, as soon as he was called Meatball Ron, it was over. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, Yeah, I'm blissfully unaware of any of these people at the moment trying to (laughs) stay away until it becomes actually necessary. Yeah, I don't know. It's going to be a shit show. I saw (laughs) that Joe Biden wants to... uh, he, He was criticizing this, like... MAGA policymakers for wanting to cut funding from the border. It's like, no, we need more funding for the border patrol to secure our border and prevent this fentanyl crisis. Meanwhile, like the sheriff of some, I don't know, the head of some police union, it just came out 
was like trafficking fentanyl into the United yeah, States. No, yeah. And so I was like, no, the problem is here. Yes. <laughs> like you don't need to pull a Trump and start investing more into the border. The calls are coming from inside the house. Mm -hmm. Guys, back there thinking, what causes glasses to slip on and off? And it's because when you take them on and off, you're always putting pressure on the frames like this. It causes them to spread. So I put a little handle right here in the center and it puts the pressure on the bridge where it belongs. Just like the tie rods on a 72 Buick. Plus I put a little nose brake on them here to prevent slippage. Try it. Use the handle. Well, I'll be. It works. Ha! You know, I make a pretty good living selling shit like this. I'll tell you what. If I can develop this gizmo, I'll split with you 50-50. Okay. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 120 of Vague Zone. I'm one of your hosts, Thomas. And I'm Daniel. And today we're continuing our coverage of the theme of wealth with a choice from Daniel. He chose mm -hmm. the Steve Martin classic from 1979, The Jerk. So would you like to read us the INDB synopsis? Sure. Sure. A simple-minded, sheltered country boy suddenly decides to leave his family home to experience life in the big city, where his naivete is both his best friend and his worst enemy. Naivete. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. So yeah, why did you choose this for Naivety. wealth? Um, I, I mean, I was struggling to think of a wealth movie, and I was like, <laughs> uh, I always think of this movie as a great um double feature with citizen kane <laughs> because, uh, they're both like they both have like a framing story they're both like i don't know this guy's wealth and kind of you feel like this empire sort of collapses sure um, yeah but uh <laughs> i get what you're saying <laughs> yeah the jerk i don't know man like i grew up on this movie it was on tbs all the time um and so it was just it was just always on TV and it feels like one of those sort of like defining movies for me. Like this is easily in my top 20 and I for think sure. it is uh it's like Clifford where it's like this was a movie I saw as a kid that like I I, I love it through and through. Um like in high school I was like learning to play the ukulele and that uh tonight you belong to me <laughs> so oh, really? like oh. <laughs> uh, yeah, I just yeah, I love the jerk. Um Dig it. yeah, yeah. Yeah. What's your relationship with this movie? Yeah, I remember like seeing the VHS around my grandmother's house, but never watching it, never like sitting down and watching it. Uh, and then like last year when I was big into going to the library and walking out with a stack of 10 movies at a time, The Jerk was one of those movies and watched it and really enjoyed it and kind of fell in, fell in love with it a little bit. It wasn't like head over heels or anything. I, I feel like I definitely missed out by not watching this when I was younger because I feel like I would have appreciated it a lot more. Um, definitely the silliness of it. Um, yeah, so seeing this like as a 30-year-old dude, I was like, oh yeah, this is like, this is good. Like, it's definitely like a solid comedy. Uh, yeah. Some stuff hasn't not aged well, but some some stuff's a little rough. I was a little skeptical of the, I was born a poor black, poor child, black child in Mississippi. <laughs> I was a little skeptical of that, but I think it plays out very well. Um, upon the rewatch, there were so many jokes that were hitting me that were just like, just like smacking me in the face. I was like getting that vibe of like 
they kind of don't make movies or comedies like this anymore and in, in this way and yeah it's like there's just so many like really quick jokes in this that just are make just elevated this to a whole other level for me it's already really funny there's great gags in this great physical gags great just like ridiculous absurd things that happen in this movie but also there's just like incredible just one-liners that just kind of like fly really fast um one of my favorites is uh tiny tying into the theme of wealth that didn't really struck out stri- uh, stick out to me when i first watched it is when he's doing like when he fixes the gentleman's glasses at the gas station and sort of mm-hmm. comes up with this invention off the cuff of like oh you help the glasses stay on your face and the guy's like you know i could really make a living making shit like this selling shit like <laughs> yeah. this and just like like the like blase way he says it just made me laugh so much and like that's very much the thread of this movie is like yeah like that uh, sort of random invention snowballs into him becoming incredibly wealthy unfortunately that happened when that happens there's only like 30 minutes of the movie left but i still think the overall journey is just oh i don't know i I feel like there's a pretty sizable i was surprised how much of this movie he spends wealthy it's Um, it's, he gets the check and then there's 30 minutes left in the movie Okay, you lo- you looked at it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like when okay. yeah, the gag when he does the head turn around the shoulder yeah. thing. There's like 30 minutes left in the movie, um, and I was like, I wish there was more, but I think it's still like it's it's perfect. Like yeah, it kind of it doesn't overstay its welcome. It's really. I feel like yeah, on rewatch. I mean, I've seen this movie so many times, but I feel like the movie always kind of slows down for me once he gets rich. Yeah, uh, like we get a lot of jokes, but it's all it's kind of. It feels a little more scattered. Like we have uh, people asking for donations. We get the cat juggling, which I don't think the cat juggling is that great of a joke. No, I think that's hilarious. Uh, <laughs> um, I think I think the best part of it is just him being like, "I've heard about this cat juggling." Um, I, I don't think the time we spend actually watching it happen is that is all that great. Okay, um, I don't know. I think when I first watched it, I was like, "Okay, that's whatever," but upon rewatch i was like this feels like a gag that would totally fit in like a will ferrell like 2000s comedy like it's just like a random cutaway it's also weird it's also him playing the cat juggler so you have like a eddie murphy kind of thing going on where it's just Mm -hmm. like all right i'll I'll play that role too obviously and yeah it's just like it's just so absurd and it's it's like a cutaway joke essentially and I, i just appreciate just it's just so absurd it's just it just never gets revisited it's just a quick detour um, we get the joke of him uh, taking his wife out to dinner, and I actually do love the joke of like, "Bring us some fresh wine this year," <laughs> um, and like the whole snails on her plate thing. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like, there's, I feel like we kind of jump around quite a bit. Uh, his wife learning to throw knives. <laughs> yes, yeah. but that 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 actually that's a joke that has stuck with me my whole life that I have like. Um, stolen basically <laughs> like i do that to people where it's like um when she does one two three four five six um <laughs> i would do like a similar thing if i was if someone asked me to take their photo yes <laughs> i'd be like okay ready one two three four five six seven <laughs> and i just keep counting love it um and i would just like snap photos the whole time uh but uh yeah i don't know it's yeah defining movie <laughs> I, I i love that i do appreciate when people are taking photos and they take multiple ones as opposed <laughs> to just taking one because yeah. why just take one photo it's so high stakes you can take like 12 yeah. <laughs> give, give me some options throw a selfie in there just <laughs> yeah, to surprise them yeah make it fun yeah. um 
Yeah, I um I think this movie is like subtly brilliant in a lot of ways. I love the escalation of when he's at the gas station, he's like helping out these like these gangbanger dudes who are like trying to like <laughs> get him over and he's like basically he like ties their car to the front of a church essentially mm-hmm. <laughs> and then yeah they like they're like fuck it so we're gonna drive off and they drive off and then the, the car pulls the front of the church off and there's a wedding going on inside of it and he's like calling the police like no it's like describing the car obviously and yeah it's like there's a <laughs> you'll you'll be able to see it because there's a, a church attached it's to dragging it. a small church <laughs> dragging a small church yeah just, um, i don't know just seeing it happen is just like practical and it's like it's fucking amazing he does a thing in that in that scene which is like one of my favorite comedic characters which is the cocky idiot yeah where it's like he's on the phone like acting like he's super suave like i i've got this covered sort of thing but obviously he's done something stupid (laughs) and it's completely backfired uh yeah that's something danny mcbride has gotten a lot of uh a, yes. a lot of value out of is playing the cocky idiot. Yeah, definitely. It's also yeah. This felt very Looney Tunesy in a lot of ways. Um, I like the the gag of the psychopath. Like this whole thing of like, okay, he wants to be someone, and so he's oh, my name is in the phone book. I'm so happy. And mm-hmm. then we cut away to a psychopath choosing a name randomly out of a phone book to hunt down, and he chooses him. And when he finally gets there, he's like gunning him down. There's like this whole gag of him thinking. He's angry at the cans, so he's yeah. trying to move the I cans out of the way. Um, but then, yeah, when they get to the chase, the the killer, the shooter is like obeying like the signs. Oh, that's for carnival oh, staff yeah. only. Like, don't go in there. It's like some Elmer Fudd shit. <laughs> um, did you ever watch Freaks and Geeks? Uh, not really. Okay, that's because there's a whole like plot point in an episode of Freaks and Geeks where um, a character played by Martin Starr um he's like a nerd he a geek i guess you could say um he obsesses over the jerk and he is playing seven minutes in heaven at like a party and he gets like paired with like a popular girl and so they end up in a closet together (laughs) and like he's like we don't have to do anything (laughs) like she she's like obviously not happy to be there and then like we cut to a later period of time when he's explaining the jerk to her <laughs> and he's like he's like yeah and then he's like he hates these cats <laughs> and then that what that's what like makes them that's what leads to them making out amazing yeah that's yeah, great oh i love it bringing Iconic. people together but like yeah like there are little things in this movie that i love um early on in the movie like we establish okay he is clearly not, he clearly was not born a, a, a poor black child. He is a white man. Yeah. Um, he was adopted by a black family. And on his birthday, they let him know, how old is he supposed to be turning? He's full grown man at <laughs> yeah. this point. But um, they let him know that he's actually adopted. He gets upset. You mean I'm going to stay this color forever? <laughs> um, but like one of the jokes is as a white man, he doesn't have rhythm. Um so like he turns or his grandma's listening to music in the other room or something and like uh he catches this tune this like sort of jazz tune he's tapping his feet snapping his fingers he's found his rhythm um <laughs> he's inspired and there's a great moment where he's like waking up the whole house like you got to come look at this come look at this and we he tells his mom and dad like look and he's like snapping his fingers and he starts dancing 
and the whole time the camera is just on the parents <laughs> and so like he'll leave the frame like <laughs> dancing and like it doesn't and like he'll re-enter the frame and it doesn't refocus to him it the, the focus just stays on the parents and i just love like like use of focus as a for comedy is really interesting yeah it's a great detail yeah that's great yeah I, yeah I think all of the stuff like leading up to him getting the money is like the best parts of the movie like yeah when he gets like actually gets the money that's when i kind of lose a little bit of interest Mm -hmm. there's just so many great gags like the first like three quarters of this movie and great like jokes um i I love that beginning when like like the very charming um giving like they all like pitch in to like give him a bunch of gifts i just i really do appreciate that and they do sort of like establish like he actually is a part of his family um and I do like the connection of like him sending the money and like writing back letters and stuff and how like you can sort of weave in jokes within that, like him communicate like the correspondence between him and his family. But yeah, when he hitchhikes, he's like hitchhiking, he's like, How like, how far are you going? He's like, just to the end of this fence. <laughs> and just yeah, drives to the end of this fence. Yeah. One of my favorite jokes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then like, he gets in anywhere. And he's just like out there, just like, oh, I'll get there eventually. Yeah, and then they pull the chair up because <laughs> it's making the father sad. Um <laughs> Um, also like, when he's hitchhiking and uh, later in the movie and he opens the door lets his dog into the front seat and then he climbs in the back and that was a detail <laughs> i really loved awesome oh i was gonna say another jog uh, sorry another dog joke i like is when he's like giving uh the big dramatic speech speech to shithead and the dog just like walks away and he's like wait no it's like, yeah. i'm not done yet uh just just really small stuff like that um and then another uh another joke that involves bernadette peters and she's like describing she's like i'm a cosmetologist she's like oh that must be really hard like dealing with weightlessness (laughs) just like it's like just jokes that are like very like good but like taken to another level when they're done performed by steve martin he's able to like sell the the physicality of like relearning his rhythm and like sell like just the genuineness of his stupidity (laughs) It's interesting that he doesn't really play characters like this anymore. Um, like, I feel like his characters... Does he really play, like, the dumbass <laughs> anymore? Because <laughs> it's like, on Only Murders in the Building, he's playing sort of someone who's trying... Who likes to think of himself as, like, kind of sophisticated. Yeah. Still kind of receiving... Being the uh, the butt of some of the, of the jokes. Like, yeah. at least up, in, up until towards the end of season two they're like treating his character within the, sh- the show within the show kind of like a joke and they're like oh yeah like you're in a wheelchair you don't talk like you're just com- you know, like you have like his character had yeah. like dementia and he's like not into that and once the podcast becomes successful they like respect his character a little bit more it's more about like it's less it's like someone who wants to have prestige and con- consistently fails to live up to it i guess yeah. it's kind of the joke um, versus someone who's cocky but has no reason to be. Um, yeah. Like, it's, think... he's, like, deeply insecure <laughs> in yeah. Holy Murders. What do you think of his first girlfriend, the the dirt bike riding circus performer? That's always been kind of strange to me. Even as a kid, I was like... I think when I was a kid, I was just like, is she supposed to be hot? Like, I, don't, <laughs> I don't get it. Um, yeah. It's it's very weird that there is this, like, power dynamic of, like, a woman who understands sexuality 
and a man who is completely ignorant and naive. Yeah, I was um, like, it feels a little rapey, their first <laughs> yeah. interaction. When she, when he's, he's like, pretty thrilled about it, though. Yeah, like, my special purpose. He, yeah. he doesn't know what's going on, though. Like, not really. Yeah, <laughs> it is like, it's uncomfortable. But, but again, it leads to a great throwaway line when like she's like all right i got your name tattooed on my ass like not like now we're together like, right, cool. that, then I'm the phone yeah. <laughs> which is great too but she's like taking him away and like the carnival guy's like don't wear him out he's got to work tonight yeah. <laughs> just like, just, like, like you don't need to have like, just, like a these little Another, details yeah it's like it's just great it just adds to it um yeah i, I know it, it was very strange the first time i saw it but uh yeah i'm, I'm it's just a small little part of this movie I do yeah. appreciate the the romance between him and Bernadette Peters' character, uh, Marie. Their their scene on the beach is just like incredible and just very, very, very great. Yeah, she's fantastic in this movie. Little ukulele serenading, and she pulls out the the trumpet. The trump- trumpet, <laughs> yeah, fantastic. Great, like great punchline, but also it's just beautiful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I feel like all we're doing is gushing about this movie and like explaining our favorite parts. I mean, yeah, I like that's a fair, <laughs> a fair way to do it. I mean, as far as like, okay, as far as wealth goes, how do you think this movie fits into just like the yeah. theme of wealth? Like, does this movie have anything meaningful to say about wealth? I think um, it does. <laughs> I guess just that like it can be fucking random. <laughs> like it just like it can happen to random any any fucking jerk. Yes, uh, yes. can get rich. <laughs> Uh, it doesn't mean they necessarily earned it through, you know, whatever that means, earning. Yeah. So, like, yeah, I think it's funny with, as far as, like, comparing this to The Wolf of Wall Street, with that, it's like, okay, Jordan Belfort is, like, he's a middle-class dude. He, like, very much sets out. He wants to be wealthy. He, like, mm-hmm. that, is, that is his goal. And then he achieves it to some degree, loses it, and then regains it again. Here, it's like, this person doesn't, he just wants to, like, he doesn't really want money or anything he just wants to like see what's out there but then yeah into wealth and i was like oh it's kind of like the story of a, a reinvention american reinvention but it's like all by accident like it's all just like completely just yeah. like by chance like he just like stumbles into it and by chance uh, i guess not necessarily by chance i guess like the yeah exactly what gave him his wealth also is what lost him all of his wealth <laughs> yeah um yeah, I think it's incredible that Carl Reiner shows up just for that one scene. Yeah. <laughs> just, just do a cross-eyed gag. Pretty incredible. Um, I mean, he directed it, so yeah, it's his little cameo. Oh, yeah. Duh. Yeah. The, yeah. Dur. He was around. <laughs> I, I guess he was on set every single <laughs> yeah. day. He was around, yeah. <laughs> I guess he was on set every single day. Um, um, yeah, yeah. What, then, what do you feel didn't age well? I think um there's a hard r that gets dropped there is yeah <laughs> um by I, a white I, man <laughs> i do give it a pass because i feel like within the context of the scene it's like if he's acknowledging are, that they'd said something racist yes he's not that they have said something racist but it's also going back to the fact that um what make sure to get his character's name right um Maven? is that naven identify he identifies as a black person so when they're <laughs> yeah. when they're talking about preventing black people from living in like this white yeah. neighborhood he takes offense to that and he like he's defending their right to do that and i'm like okay like that works for me like it's, like <laughs> i do wonder how black audiences like perceive that scene in the 70s where they like 
because like he 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 says it and then he kicks all their asses yeah and so it's like were they just like hell yeah <laughs> like yeah. he kicks all their asses yeah totally i don't know yeah it makes me think of like blazing saddles or like a lot of like yeah. those movies from that era where yeah it's like yeah it's, it's like, like you're playing with like <laughs> dicey stuff yeah, yeah but it's like you're playing in a way you're playing with it in a way where it's like ultimately i know that what is motivating this and what is behind it is good <laughs> uh yeah. so i don't know it's it's complicated a little bit yeah so there's yeah that's that's mainly it i mean like the like the weird kiss after the serenading on the beach is also kind of just like he's just like really just like aggressively trying to kiss her and like that's like the entire joke is that he yeah. doesn't but it's just like yeah these are small little little bumps I mean, you know, this is a comedy from 1979 like i don't know like, yeah it, it, with that considered everything else is pretty pretty airtight pretty great. yeah it's like i feel like we kind of accept 70s cinema and this was 79 as like rough yeah. <laughs> like a little rough <laughs> a little dirty a little um bit, yeah. 80s had its own set of problems too um but i, I don't think we think of it as like as like dirty and gritty and gross is the 70s um and this is nope. like what's the yeah it's it's just a little kind of wacky a little wackiness a little cartoonishness totally enjoyable uh, um it's just reminding me of a movie um it's a like a movie about Okay, so like the Wizard of Oz has the Munchkin characters in it that are played by these little people. So mm -hmm. apparently during the production of that, they all put all the little people in one hotel to stay at. And so there's like rumors and uh Hollywood just, like, stories about, <laughs> about about that like rowdiness. And so they made a movie about that. And there's like a really a, a, yeah, it's like a movie <laughs> and it's like I, I'm trying to get like the name of it correct. Um it That's has like wild, a pretty man. like I think it has Harrison Ford in it or um uh, um, but essentially like on that movie they're like really depicting the little people in like a bad way and that's like a movie from like the like the 80s were they really like having orgies i just guess that's what like they were alleged okay. like it's, it's it's a whole it's a whole because little people are fucking degenerates i don't know if you knew that like, i'm like regretting <laughs> i'm regretting unearthing the stone <laughs> turning the stone over um but because i don't know the name of this movie which is terrible but yeah it's like all of this stuff because yeah like back in Wow, fuck the 30s or whenever they made the wizard of oz like hollywood was treating these people terribly and so yeah. like there's just like a lot of hearsay and a lot of rumors but, around this incident and so that just snowballed huh. into it being this i think it's called 120 thing. days of sodom <laughs> oh my goodness um, I mean, you take a moment just to like google this um, yeah google uh little people fucking and sucking wizard of oz <laughs> see what comes up in your images <laughs> Okay, gotcha. Okay, so this movie is called Under the Rainbow, and it's from 1981, ooh, and it stars ooh. Chevy Chase. Okay, and Carrie Fisher. <laughs> Interest. Fucking wow! I've never heard yeah. of this. Okay, Under so the so a little bit of uh, backstory. So I checked this out because of the Shutter series Cursed Films, and so Cursed Films has an episode about it, and they talk about like the alleged like suicide that happens like on yeah, screen yeah, in the like, there's like all this, there's all this shit with wizard of oz it's like super dark but then they point to this movie and then like they even interviewed the director and he was like yeah like we were kind of doing things in bad taste back then and like even looking back like we probably should not have 
like told this story in the crass way that we told it and it's just like bad vibes like all around that dude named steve rash hold on a second here this came out in 81 so this came yeah. out between empire strikes back and return of the jedi <laughs> but yeah, if we're talking about like 79 comedies and like thinking about like these beloved actors like steve martin uh, chevy chase to an extent uh, i think it's really fascinating thinking about like, these comedies from that era like this one i feel like it's probably I've never heard very, of this. Yeah. Very i need to see this <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. maybe you should oh, skip boy. the next movie and just do a special detour with this movie yeah bad taste is one of our themes yeah, offensive uh, is one of our themes uh it has a zero percent on rotten tomatoes. i don't know what about what about the critic what about the audience score favorable okay I don't know, I no idea. <laughs> yeah under the rainbow is definitely on my list now just because of yeah. the audacity wow yeah i'm so glad you told me about that see yeah. Big Zone listeners, it's worth listening. You yeah. learn something every once in a while. You discover something new. Yes. Any uh, final thoughts on the jerk? I thought I had some thoughts. I now I'm all I can think about. It. Oh, I was gonna say um, it's unrelated, not quite related to the jerk, but there are like three comedies that like. So this, it it, it reminds me of a bit of uh, Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Sometimes this movie. Mm-hmm. And it also reminds me of UHF sometimes. Yeah, I don't know if you've seen UHF. That's a Weird no, Al movie. I haven't seen that yet. That's a movie I feel like... I feel like The Jerk is pretty solidly, like, classic comedy. Um, UHF is a little more cult classic comedy. But I feel like it deserves to be regarded right alongside this movie. And if the if it the right theme comes around, I will make you watch that movie. <laughs> okay. I'll check it out. Yeah. Um... Uh, yeah, another quick one-liner that I totally didn't even register the first time I watched it is when the mom is reading letters from Naven, and one one of the things that Naven discovers, he's like, "Oh, if I go to the hospital, I can donate blood and they'll <laughs> oh, give yeah. me like snack and crackers." But I had to stop because I shaved myself and I cut myself, and no blood came out. Well, it was just, all that came out was air. <laughs> yeah, all that came out was air. Yeah, it's just the way that she reads it is just so fucking great. And, uh, there's just yeah, this movie definitely hits so much better on the, on the second viewing i didn't take notes because i know so much of this movie <laughs> that's great love it yeah classic um what have you been watching this week um i sort of like background watched the first three john wick movies i have not seen the fourth yet i'm gonna see it saturday okay had you um, seen the first three i've seen the first three yeah before oh, okay. this was kind of just like me revisiting Gotcha. Um, I because I used to think like I think they get better every movie, but now I think the second movie is kind of weak. Um, yeah, yeah. It's like because the first movie it's a revenge movie, like very easy to be engaged. The second movie it's like he's doing a hit for some guy we don't know or care about, and like he doesn't care about this guy. Uh, he's just doing it because he has to, and then yeah, you got to really be into the world. You gotta, yeah, you got you to gotta love just all of that yeah stuff. the second movie is doing so much to like expand the lore i feel like um but it ends really well because it sets up the third movie which is awesome yeah. <laughs> like yeah. the third movie is incredible it's like a fucking guitar solo uh <laughs> that never ends um every fight scene has a hook the problem with the third movie is that by the end you're exhausted because yeah it's draining yeah yeah early on in the movie you get like okay he kills a giant with a book uh (laughs) 
then he i think then he rides a horse like he he's killing people with horses then he's riding the, a horse the horse scene happens because i also did the rewatch the horse okay. scene happens right after the knife, the knife fight scene? inside okay. of the, the mirror yeah, and yeah. the knife scene is like one of the best it's probably the best scene out of all of these movies it's fucking if not one gnarly. of them. it's hardcore too yeah just throwing fucking <laughs> knives at each other and then finishing the, a guy the off with an axe yeah. <laughs> yeah, at the end uh incredible stuff it's incredible because it's like like that is one I, I remember watching pineapple express years ago <laughs> and thinking like this movie there's a scene when they're fighting at like uh, someone's house and i was like this is a great fight scene because they're making great use of space uh yeah. like i feel like that's we always talk about like oh you need to be able to see the actors you need to be able to see the stunts um i feel like use of space is very important uh, i think that needs to be highlighted more uh like working your choreography around uh, like like jack chan's great at this like uh it, it's very common we see a fight on scaffolding <laughs> because yeah. it's very yeah. easy to work the space into the fight but it's like um yeah in in john wick when they realize oh wait a minute we're surrounded by knives and we get like a sort of a comedic beat of them looking around and they start smashing glass with their elbows and stuff and yeah. pulling knives out and uh i don't know it's fantastic yeah the three has some, some moments that are just like flat out just like too funny for like the context of like people getting murdered i mean like, the, the horses are ridiculous when he's yeah, like tapping ho yeah, horses that, <laughs> like they're kicking that's me. fucking awesome like, this is too much you do it once you don't have to yeah. do it three times yeah the um the very great gag of him building a gun to shoot love one it man. <laughs> yeah. yeah it's like, like a fucking looney tunes yeah yeah like not only is he competent he has patience to do this mm -hmm. for one kill and then yeah like when, and then he runs away all awkwardly because yeah. keanu reeves has like back issues <laughs> Yeah, then we fucking go to uh, Casablanca, then dogs are running up walls. Yeah, <laughs> incredible. Halle Berry, incredible. Yeah. Uh, I think you're going to enjoy 4. I saw 4 in IMAX with my dad, and uh, it was fucking incredible. Uh, it was very loud, but wait, it was man. like, it was it was, it was was good. Like, everyone was on board. Like, it was almost like a, a sold-out IMAX showing, which I was pretty surprised. I want to see it in Dolby but uh we could we just like couldn't find the time and now this week dungeons and dragons has taken over dolby so it's oh, fuck. so like we're just kind of seeing a regular theater but uh, that's like the like the <laughs> the double-edged sword of like being a fan of all of these things is you sort of have to like watch them quickly before the like the leave theaters or for whatever yeah. reasons same with like tv shows like if you're a little bit behind it'll get spoiled if yeah. you're not careful and it's, these, these waters are dangerous. There's something coming out almost every weekend for the rest of this year, almost. Like, there's just so much stuff. I remember, yeah, like, Top Gun, I really wanted to see in Dolby, and then I couldn't. And then, like, months later, it was re-released in Dolby. <laughs> so I was like, all right, is that going to happen with John Wick? I don't want to take my chances and miss it, so... I, I would try to catch it this weekend. I think the buzz from last weekend is just going to bump the numbers up more. I want to see it again. Like, it's... We're going it, in, uh, to Bay yeah. Street... Okay, okay. On Saturday. It'll be an afternoon showing. I don't want to say the time on here, because okay. <laughs> one of our 30 listeners will show up. <laughs> I heard you guys are going to see John Wick. I heard what you said about Trump like <laughs> and Biden. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, goodness. Yeah, I think that'll be fun. Um, yeah, I'll say, I won't say too much, but there's a point in that movie where 
the theater was shaking and i was like afraid i was like is this okay like are huh. we like going to like is this sound system too loud but no it was absolutely perfect interesting and donnie yen is just like a cherry on top to this franchise yeah. that's already like very good in operating at a high level then donnie yen just takes it to like just a very pure fun enjoy it's just it's just great um i saw a tweet where someone was like I've never felt more connected with someone than when I was in the theater seeing John Wick Four, and I and Scott Adkins shows up on screen, and I overhear a guy explain to his girlfriend, "That's Scott Adkins." <laughs> That's great. Yeah, yeah. His scene is just yeah. It's just great. It's it's a good time. And I'll just say this: uh, rest in peace, Lance Reddick. He's he's oh, very good yeah. in this movie as well. Um, what a bummer. He was only sixty, season. right? Yeah. Yeah very very sad but uh moving on any of you watched anything else this week <laughs> um i watched the first episode of better call saul finally starting better okay. call saul <laughs> okay yeah, cool that it's over um because it, it's one of those things it's like i know what breaking bad did to me <laughs> like yeah. i couldn't let go of that show so it's like you know stepping into better call saul it's like i'm signing up for something major yeah um so i've, I've been really hesitant to do it and so yeah we finally watched the first episode um great stuff ready to keep going um and i also watched the first episode of wu-tang american saga ah cool um it was i watched that after better call saul the first episode (laughs) and i was like this feels long (laughs) like how long is this show it was only an hour um i don't know if better call saul was really short or something but um but yeah i'm down i'm down to keep going with it uh it's just I don't know. It's ex- it's nice watching the show and being like, oh, I know who that is. Oh, I know who that is. Like, yeah, yeah. They, they're not called Method Man yet, but I know it's Method yeah. Man. <laughs> he's um, shotgun at this point. Yeah. Life. He's just the assistant manager or whatever. <laughs> um, assistant to uh, Method Man. Yeah, the penultimate episode aired last night. And for those listening who don't know, pen- penultimate industry writer term for second to last. Yeah. Um, so... For some shows, some shows like to like really hype up penultimate episodes. One show that did this to a great extent was Game of Thrones. Mm. So for their ten episode seasons, their ninth episodes, the ninth episodes of those seasons were tend to be like the big yeah. episodes that like for example like that's the uh, climax. Yeah, next so episode's resolution sort of. So exactly. So yeah, in season three, episode nine is Reigns of Castamere, which features the very famous Red Wedding, which is like mm-hmm. the most like insane, devastating episode of TV ever, because a lot of people get killed. Um, and then yeah, episode the tenth episode is like now that the shit has happened, the dust is cleared, now we kind of like regroup and kind of set up and yeah. figure out what, where what's we're gonna happen next. next. Yeah. And so that's really strange when the show is ending and so when a show is ending your series finale episode isn't you know about plot it's usually just like a victory lap mm-hmm. actors the cast people kind of just being celebratory being like oh look at what we've done here look at what we built it's usually like characters like going from like a cross-country trip or like empty rooms like it's always like oh our journey was all over now it's like fun like the finale episodes rarely are plot heavier it's usually just celebratory. Hmm. And so I was kind of disappointed that the penultimate episode of Wu-Tang was sort of like bringing up old plot points. And I was like, this, I was like, you guys don't have time to sort yeah. of be, <laughs> like to be unearthing stuff about the secondary character. And like, you have one episode left, you're headed towards like the Wu-Tang Forever album. So that's going to be a big thing. 
kind of spending time meandering dealing with some other stuff so i wasn't too happy about it i i think it's just like the weight of the show it's just like it's kind of crumbling under the weight of itself you know what i mean it's just like it's a big show it's about wu-tang clan there's nine people in that group you know it's just, yeah there's just there's so much history and story there it's impossible to tell all of it this show was actually released at the same time as the showtime documentary of mikes and men was released which is a a five episode documentary that's like essentially similar thing it's like origin story of the Wu-Tang Clan till up until like the Martin Shkreli uh, oh weird with, with like yeah like the with that album um, so that's really cool to sort of see more recent stuff but there's just there's so much within the Wu-Tang world like it's hard to to cover it all and so it's a little disappointing but it's it's, it's I'm happy that the show exists it's coming to an end which is kind of sad but I feel like it's been a great journey it's cool to watch the first episode and see like a young rizza and think that like oh he eventually performed at a shaolin temple <laughs> like yeah. like this is our very like modest beginnings uh, yes yes yeah. uh, what do you think of the uh performer playing odb uh <laughs> he's having fun <laughs> uh, i think he's doing fine it's a little i don't know it just feels like what a fun gig to get. I don't know if he's overacting or what, but it's like, he's very clearly ODB. Um, yeah. I think as far as like fans concerned, I think he's the, between him and Raekwon are like the closest representations to like mm -hmm. them feeling as close to the actual person. Cause uh, Shamik Moore playing Raekwon, like the sounds and feels just like Raekwon, like 100%. Uh. I feel like, him and ODB are like the ones doing it the best on the show. So I feel like they're they're the ones to kind of to look out for. Yeah. Uh, what have you been watching lately? Like I said, I've been watching far too many things. Uh, like this week, I watched uh, Lawrence of Arabia, Once Upon a Time in America. I watched The Woman King, Viola Davis was really good. Um, working through that poster i've mentioned before i have the the imb top 100 one thing i didn't tell uh didn't tell people on the show is there's actually i have two of these posters i have one that's the imdb top 100 and then another one that's just 100 great movies and i, I don't know who made that list it could just be joe schmuck yeah, just some dude. nobody i um, made it yeah but one movie that was so, so uh so sometimes there's movies on both and so right now i'm trying to find the ones that are common so i don't have to waste my time going through watching all of these re-watching them and so one of one movie that's on both posters is called life is beautiful have you heard of this movie yeah gotcha so i didn't know anything about life is beautiful for those listening life is beautiful was nominated for best picture in 1997 it was the year that Saving Private Ryan was nominated. It was the year that uh, Shakespeare in Love won. <laughs> um, but this is a movie. Uh, it's, uh, have you seen it? Yeah, yeah. I saw it when I was a kid. Okay. Yeah. so I think uh, the year it came out, probably. Okay. Uh, so you probably have not seen it since then. Yeah, no. Uh, what was your <laughs> uh, experience seeing it as a kid? I mean, it's a fucking Holocaust movie. <laughs> yeah. It's, <laughs> like, it's, it's a, super a, heavy. A, a slapstick holocaust movie yeah i remember I, I i thought it was good i guess like i it put roberto benini into i didn't know who that was until i saw that movie and um i don't know he showed up in coffee and cigarettes later and i'm like that's the guy from <laughs> life is beautiful 
yeah it's just weird um yeah but like it's just yeah like odd that it would this piece of work exists that is a a slapsticky like chaplain inspired comedy drama about an italian man like helping his son survive the horrors of the holocaust and it's even stranger that like like on this list of like imdb top 100 movies there's like toy story toy story 3 and like it's like this and like i i it i it is a, like a solid movie and good but i just didn't find it i didn't enjoy it that much i think that's yeah time has looked poorly on life is beautiful i think a lot of people think it's kind of hokey oscar Beatty. Uh, yeah I feel like yeah there's some Oscar Beatty stuff on that poster there's another movie I watched called The Lives of Others which won best international feature in 2006 and that was the year that Pan's Labyrinth was nominated for best international mm. feature and The Lives of Others is like a a very slow character drama about the surveillance state of East Germany during the Berlin Wall era uh, it's it's okay. It's a it's um, kind of a little slow for my taste, but it's, it's solid. I've never seen it, but I always think of like I've never seen it, but I still think of this joke. I remember Doug Benson, the comedian, saying uh, he was like, "Yeah, the lives of others." Uh, you know what the German title for that movie is? <laughs> Der lives of others. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so Benson. fucking stupid! <laughs> love him. Gotta love him. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah. I guess the last thing I want to mention was the Woman King uh, movie that came out last year that I like really, really want to see in theaters. But I was living in Korea, and it like got it got international distribution, but it was like right as I was coming back to America. That's a weird little switching switching lanes, ships crossing in the night. Uh, so I finally got to watch this. It's on Netflix right now. I highly, highly recommend it. It's great. Viola Davis is incredible already as like an actress, but to see her like at the center of like a Hollywood level, like mm -hmm. action blockbuster, like commanding all these other badass black women and like these like warriors. Like it's just, it's just great. It's a good time. Um, John Boyega is, has a good supporting role in it. Um, yeah. It's just one of those movies that I feel like if you got time to sit down and watch it, it's well worth your time. It's a, it's a good. It's a Would good it one. be a good uh, double feature with women talking? It's good. Well, it, it definitely like if, if the, if you want to get fired up, like if, if women talking feels you a little broken down, yeah. women woman king will make you feel like like nothing can stop. Like <laughs> it, it is very uplifting and like in a lot of really great ways. And it's just great, yeah, just to see like all of these like strong black women just like kicking ass genuinely. And it's just very it's a very like genuine film. And it's directed by the woman who wrote and directed Love and Basketball, which I think is really cool. Mm. Black woman having a long, long career in filmmaking. I think that's cool. So I guess it's my choice for oh, the next yeah. one. Wealth. So I've been on a Viola Davis tip with, uh, <laughs> she was an Antoine Fisher. Uh, she, I watched Fences with her and Denzel Washington. It's really good. She's really great in The Woman King. And she's in another like action kind of, not action movie, but like a thriller movie about money. And it's a movie called Widows. Widows. 2018. Okay, I've not seen Widows. Yeah, it's directed by Steve McQueen. It's like a bunch of husbands have like a, a large amount of debt. It's up to after they are killed, it's up to the wives to to heist some money mm. and pay off their debt. That'd right. be fun. Ensemble cast. It's got 
Colin Farrell, Michelle Rodriguez, Liam Neeson, Robert Duvall, Daniel Kaluuya, Brian Tyree Henry. John Bernthal, who we just saw in Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah. So yeah, that should be fun. Cool. All right, let's do it. Okay. Cool, cool. This has been episode 120 of Big Zone. If you would like to contact us, you can email us, bigzonepod at gmail.com. Tweet at us at bigzone on Twitter. If you're still on there tweeting, we'll, we're on there every once in a while. But yeah, thank you for listening. This has been 120. I'm Thomas. And I'm Daniel. See you next time. Cool.